Yeah, we're going to do um, economic inequality. And what is the Torah's view on economic inequality uh, in society, specifically, and in Jewish society, in, ge- yeah. in, in, in Jewish society more specifically? Uh, so we'll begin, we're in Parshat A, and Parshat A talks about the laws of Shemitah, and obviously Shemitah has a lot to say about the differences in, in different, different people in society. I want to start by sharing with you a very interesting piece, a Mishnah, that we actually just learned in Dafyomi. Okay, the Mishnah talks about a very interesting idea. The Mishnah says, talks about the idea of Boshet. Right, the, the, we're talking about different kinds of damages. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Do you, um, do you want to write, tell, tell us? Um, yeah, the name. The name, yes. Okay. His cousin's name. You're having surgery, you said, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. A 14 year old kid. Okay. 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 The mission. So the following, there's a, there's a cloud, there's a rule in injury in, in, in the Jewish torts called Boshet. I.e., if I publicly embarrass you, you can sue me for money. I don't know if this works. Libel. Anybody here a lawyer? No, libel. not libel. Libel is is name? when I when I make libel a claim against you, when I when I when I defame you. But if I publicly embarrass you, if I spit in you, you know, all of like television would have to shut down. If I publicly embarrass you, you could you could sue me for damages. Okay, you're not allowed to shame a person. If you spit in their face, if you shame them, right? Shaming. If you like the example that the Gemara gives, it, like if, like if I let's say I pull off a woman's head covering in the middle of the shuk, yeah. okay, that's that's called public shaming. So the question is, how much do I owe you? Like how much do like like how do you evaluate how much it's worth? Okay, you know. So the Gemara says talking about rakak um, v'higiyah baroka. If I spit on you and they, and, it, and it hits you, like you know, and it, you get spit on. Like what if I spit on you and miss, then you know, whatever. Lucky me. Havir tali tell me men if I pulled off your clothes. You know what I'm saying? I pulled down your I pants you. That's like a good teenage thing. Kara Rosha Isha Bashuk. If I uncovered a woman's hair. No ten lo arba me od zoos. To pay hundred, four hundred zoos. I have no idea if that's a lot of money or not. Sounds like a lot. Well, how much is a a Nedunya is two hundred zoos, no? Two hundred, no, shekel. Not zoos. Zoos is much less. What's the zoos? There's a zoos for some. Zoos is like the minimum amount, like a pruta, I think. Anyway. No, but you could buy a, a goat for two zoos. Trey zoos. Good point. Zehakla. <laughs> That's a lot of goats. This is the rule. Yeah. <laughs> so the, this is the rule. Hakol lefik foda. It all depends on a person's honor, i.e. The, le- the, the cast of the person you're. Yes. You're, um, yes. It depends who you're embarrassing. Are you yeah. embarrassing what? Yeah. That's so not kibbutz. Kibbutz. No. Oh, right. Okay. I'm a Rabbi Akiva. So, so i.e., it depends on who you are in society. If you're, you know, nobody. nobody. Yankel what? Yankel the garbage man. Well, the garbage man makes it easy. But okay, if you're, if, like, the, if you're a lower society person, then you pay less. If you're a higher society person, you pay more. So says Rabbi Akiva. I'm Rabbi Akiva. I like this. Afilu anim shebi Yisrael ro'im otam kilehim b'nei chorim. Even the poor are b'nei chorim; they're they're free. Sheyardu and nishtehem. Because what? Think of who he was. That right? they um, that they, they 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 fell on hard times. Shehem b'nei Avraham Yitzchak v'Yaakov. All Jewish people are the children of Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov. How can you say that a person's value is less important because he has less money? Rabbi Akiva was the poor shepherd poor. No. That's what I'm saying. So he has the no vested status. interest in saying that he has status because of his Torah. Yeah. So but he, he didn't like the idea that you would, that there's a monetary value attached to a person's social status. Right. Except there's only one problem. There is a monetary there value. There is a monetary value associated to a person's social status. Right? Yeah. How much, if you ask a person, okay, I'm going to slap you in the face, okay, on, I don't know, on, on national television. So how much would a rich person pay for me not to do, not to do it? You know what I'm saying? Candid camera, right? Okay, we got you in this embarrassing situation. How much would you pay for us not to air it? And how much would a poor person pay not to air? He's had money for that. If he had the money, would he pay it? No. Oh. Nah, embarrass me. What do I care? I'm already embarrassed. Oh. Nowadays, people embarrass themselves just to get on television. But, <laughs> <laughs> That's what Facebook is all about. <laughs> what? How much would you pay me if I do? Right. How much would you pay me to get on television? I always told Leah there that I wanted to, I wanted to, like, I had this great idea for a television show called Fadicha, 
like where there was a competition. <laughs> it's a competition between like fathers and the daughters don't know, and the father's job is to like to embarrass his daughter in public. And then there was a panel of like fathers and daughters at the end. It's like you know, like I'm, you know whatever. And then who like best fadichet his daughter? And, you know, it would do well in Israel. That's, 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 but what? Then for one then All you need is one Can take it if I pull your pets down in the middle of the public square. You did that once. <laughs> and 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 did you ever have a problem ever again? Oh, you did. <laughs> they just spoke about it yesterday in school. They said you go and you get your child from curfew, and she comes running up to meet you because what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Get away from me! Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, embarrassing our children. I, just rest assured for those of you with that weight, all of you have older children. Our very existence is embarrassing for them. So. <laughs> okay, so we're on Perek Tet Vav. So in that in that context of social status and and self worth, it's a very fascinating question. You know what I'm saying? That it's uh, halachically there's a halachic idea. That a person's wealth, the person's status, right, has value. You know, and we're and, and is, isn't Judaism, Rabbi Kiva, like railed against that? How could you say such a thing? Although, you know, like there's an ideology, there's an idea that all Jews are worth something and everybody has the same value, and then there's reality that people will pay. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know, it's a it's a it's a give and take about, and the same that we're going to see is true about poverty in general that we struggle with this idea. You know, society does look down on poor people. Right? That, that's just a truism, that we think of them as less. We think of them as less capable. We think of them as less, not, it's not less fortunate, but especially in, in, in capitalist society, what's a person, why is a person poor? And in, in according to like DNA capitalism, why did you didn't try hard enough? Right, you didn't try hard enough. Society offers you all the opportunity in the world, and you didn't try hard enough because if you did try hard enough, you could accomplish anything. Without taking into account the American dream. What? The American dream. It's not so simple. It's not so obvious. You know, like it's it's okay. Um, so we're on Paraket Vav in Re'eh. Every seven years, you should do a Shemitah. Aleph, Aleph, Tet Vav Aleph. Okay, chapter 15, verse one. I'm going to need help with the translation because these words are, some of the words are challenging. They're difficult. They're interesting. And this is the matter of Shemitah. So everybody thinks that Shemitah is about what? About produce. But we're not just talking about produce. There's something in the Torah called Shemitah Ksafim. As we all know. What's Shemitah Ksafim? Shemitah Ksafim is at the not end of the loans. seventh year. What? Not forgiving loans. Say it again. I didn't hear. Forgiving loans. Forgiving loans. Right. But it's not, right. At the end of the seventh year, right? all loans, certain kinds of loans, not all loans, but loans, outstanding loans are forgiven. Or a person, it's not that they're automatically forgiven. A person is obligated to forgive outstanding loans. Okay? This is a matter of Shemitah. Shamot kol bal masher yado asher yasheh bere'ehu lo yigos et re'ehu ve'et achiv ki kara Shemitah lahashem. Very hard to translate. Those are hard Yeah, hard words. Shamot kol bal, who's got the English? Got Nikki, why don't you hit me up? This is a matter of Shemitah. Verse 2. What's that? She said it doesn't even make sense in English. Really? This, this is the metaphor of diminution. Every creditor shall resist his authority as what he has lent to his servant. Okay. Well, let's read it in, again, in English and Hebrew. Shamot kol baal mashayadog. Shamot is okay. A creditor, baal mashayadog, someone who has extended credit, asher yashebere ehu, right, extended credit to his neighbor. Shamot. Withdraw. Shemitah. Continue, please. Right. Lo yigos et re'ehu ve'et achiv. He shall not push himself. Okay. Kikara shemitah lahashem. Because God has called shemitah. Okay. This is shemitah. So people owe you money. Pull back. Don't press them for it. Don't press them for it. Can you ask them for it the next year? No. You mean give them a break forever? No. Give them a break that year. Shemitah k'safim. Right. Outstanding loans are forgiven. What? Place itself so open to abuse. 
by the lender, by the by lendee. The, by the by borrower? Yeah, by the borrower. We borrowed yeah. that last year. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get there. We're going to exactly talk about that. Et anachri tigos, v'asher yelecha et achicha tashmet yadecha. This only applies to loans to the Jewish people, but not to your brother. Okay? This is, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, I think one of the, people think about it as, you know, um, anti-non-Jew, but I don't think so. I think it's other way around, i.e., you treat your family different. And everybody knows that. You know, if your brother came to you and needed a loan, some guy was off the street. Eh, I don't think so. But if it's your brother, then you treat him differently. So this, what? You lend him. What if you know your brother's not going to be so good about lending, helping you, paying you back? It's your brother. <coughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So th- this is a level of brotherhood that the Torah wants to institute with us, wants to in- instill within us. Okay? So you could look at it negatively, but I choose very strongly to look at it in a positive way, that the Torah is teaching us brotherhood. And brotherhood is not a, it's not a relationship. It's not a blood relationship. It's an, a- it's an action. It's, you know, it's the way you relate. It's the way you act. F.S. F.S.? Nothing. Nothing. But, okay, there will not be a poor person among you. That's a pretty, a pretty strong, everybody understand? Let's read it again. You will not have a poor person. Why? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bless you in the land that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you as an inheritance. So therefore, no problem. Like, you know, you don't have to, not, there are no poor people. Uh, questions? What? Yes? <laughs> Daniela? <laughs> Right. And it's also, <laughs> it contradicts because if they're not poor people, then that that situation of lending someone money shouldn't be afterwards. This is after you haven't taken the loan back. Oh. Then there won't be poor people. Why? Because you already lent them money, so it's just a gift. <laughs> I guess so. What? <laughs> says Kiva, right? No, I think it's a, it's a consequence. If you behave like this, it's oh. like the general oh. concept that we have. If you give tzedakah, then Hashem will, right? Whatever you give comes back to you. Right. Isn't there is like there a concept like that? Yeah. Right. Oh, it, it seems like a very strong formulation. FS. FS is like, it's but, but it's like, we've had FS means, where do we have it, remember? Where do we have it? The Miraglim. FS, right, FS means it's worth nothing. Okay, so what is the FS here? What do you do with this FS here? It's a great question. FS. The whole concept of loans means nothing. Possibly. Because if you treat each other with respect, Hashem will make sure that you're taken care of. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, the implication here is if you keep the laws of Shemitah, right, and, uh, and absolve the loans, it's not that there won't be poor people because they took all your money. It's that God sort of... Arranges oh, okay. God sort of guarantees that if you keep the laws of social structures and you respect each other in this way, then you won't have poverty in your, in your community. Okay? Keep this, this... But it seems like a very strong promise. And it also seems like a questionable promise because... It seems to go against the reality that we understand. Meaning, in, in, in society, unless you believe in absolute, what's the word I'm looking for? Absolute kibbutz, socialism, mm-hmm. okay, then there, that everyone is equal, everyone gets everything, okay? then there, by definition, there has to be more and less. There's going to be people that are more successful, people that are less successful. How is it possible that there's no poverty at all? Unless you're like living, right? even in Saudi Arabia, where they're just literally, they were for years printing money with oil, literally just printing money. Were there poor people? Mm-hmm. Who, who is poor? Correct. The workers. All the miskadim. Now, okay, we got. Now we're getting. We're gonna get natural gas. Are we all gonna be rich? No. You should know. There's a big movement. Like not a big movement. There's an ongoing discussion in the United States and in like economic circles about this thing called a minimum guaranteed income. Have you heard about this? No. You read about this? Right, so I listen to like boring podcasts. So they talk about this <laughs> idea. It's like, I cannot. Richard Nixon tried to run it through and he didn't succeed because the Democrats said it wasn't enough. Something called a minimum guaranteed minimum income. Not a minimum income. wage for someone working. Someone no, working guaranteed working. minimum income. Uh, Okay, that every person in society. That's not very Republican. Well, they're socialist. It's pseudo-socialist, but you already the government already does it for poor people. You have welfare. You have welfare. You have food stamps. 
right, there is already a guaranteed minimum income. So they say, so people will say, since we spent all this money anyway, don't we just give it to you and let you decide how to use it? Like, why do we have to be like, you know, lording it over you and telling you how to use it? You should use it in the best way. They, studies have shown that work doesn't necessarily, people don't work less. Because they know they have a, like a backup, they can take more risks, they can do more things. Women stayed home longer, maternity leave, because they didn't feel like they had to go. They, they have sort of, it's not a ton of money, but the guaranteed minimum income. They also say as automation, as computers are taking over society and doing more and more things, like they're, they're, they're almost there. In five, 10 years, they're gonna have automated cars. What's gonna happen to all the truck drivers and car drivers and, and taxi drivers? We're talking about millions and millions of people around the world becoming obsolete. Like in all these manufacturing jobs and textiles, and they're gonna, they're gonna become obsolete. Like the milkman. Like farmers. Yeah, agriculture. Like all those farmers, they went and worked in, 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 in production, in mass production. But now nobody needs them anymore because it's all automated. And nobody knows what to do with all these people. Not everybody can get a college degree. They just can't. So now they're talking about, what, where, you know, we produce so much automatic wealth we need A, to support people who can't, literally can't support themselves, and B, we need to give people money so they can buy all this stuff, otherwise no one's gonna make anything. This is very fascinating, you know what I'm saying? What? Yeah, yeah, you, have, you give people money so that, you know what I'm saying, it sounds counterintuitive, but it could very well be that there's this idea that as blessing is increased, you want poor people to be able to support society. You know, like, you know, so we have all this natural gas now, we're coming from Israel. Well, what are we gonna do with all that money? So that, you know, so that was the big complaint. Well, should the companies get the money or should the people get the money? So we'll do okay, but it's just a fascinating question. So the Chazal understand this to mean, right? There will be a time of no poverty. Now, we've never seen this before, right? but maybe we will. Moshe Rabbeinu promises it. Okay. Only if you hearken to the word of the Lord your God. To keep this mitzvah that I command you, i.e., when will there be no poverty? It's so interesting. Like we think. Yeah, no, but Shmita is, is, is always connected to the richness of the land. If you leave the land, then the next year you'll get double crops. There are Correct. all these promises of material wealth that are. Uh, that revolve around Shemitah. Shemitah did not promise material wealth. Shemitah only promised one thing. You'll you have, won't starve to death. Correct, you won't starve to death. Uh -huh. The prospect of Shemitah, I'm now doing the Mishnah Yomit, and I'm learning the halachot of Shemitah. Just a, the prospect of, like, think about what would happen to the Israeli economy. Because remember, agriculture was 99% of the economy. So what would happen to the economy if Israel decided Shemitah year, we're shutting it all down. Okay, everybody go to back to school, everybody go to like Beit Midrash, do whatever you want, right? All the high-tech firms are gonna shut down. Like anything that's not societally, okay, doctors will get their Shemitah year some other year, schools will run, anything that's you know, maintaining society, but anybody who's productive, all the lawyers, all the whatever, you know what I'm saying? All the companies, all the production, all the whatever, so the stream shut down, everything shut down. What would they say? What? Right. And by the way, everything that you do, you should do for free or give to somebody else. You know, all the software is free for the year. All the whatever is free. Everybody help everybody else. Right? Do we have that faith to say, we'll be okay that year, we'll be okay the next year, and society will be better off for it. Then you'll incur divine blessing. That's it. You know, why? It's a tall order. Really? You know, I want you to stop working one day a week because, because just stop. No production on that we day. We do that. Right. We easily, that easily, right. easily. Like we fight about it. You know what I'm saying? How could you not? You know. By the way, are you, if you you should really follow these things, you follow the saga of the of the train in Tel Aviv. They're, you know what I'm talking about? So they're building a rakevet kala in Tel Aviv. Right. They're building a, and so obviously in order to build this rakevet kala, you got to rip apart a lot of streets, major intersections, and put them back together again, which causes a lot of closures. So the police decided that the best day to do it is Shabbat because much, much, much less traffic. If they do it on Sunday, you'll have traffic jams up the wazoo, which you will. The only one group really protested. The Haredim. The Haredim said, this is not the, the state that we live in. We believe in the importance of Shabbat. You know, and what's that? Chilul Shabbat is not our value, and we're going to break up the coalition because of it. And just understand that they've done this in the past. 
historically there was once when they, there was a time where they had to bring these huge like airplanes. I think it was in the late 80s or the early 90s. Huge airplanes they had to bring from one airbase to another airbase. They had to shut down the highway. And they did it on Shabbat. And the Haredim, they, they left the coalition and Ehud Barak's coalition fell apart because of it. Right? The one thing that Netanyahu is afraid of, he hates, not hates, he's afraid of these issues of Da'at and Medina, of religion and state. Because while everything is going great, they can rip things apart, only in Israel. So the Haredim, like, I felt like, you know, we don't give them enough credit. No, I think that's There's no the money, nobody's offering their money for yeshiva. Nobody's, you know what I'm saying? They have only, only to lose in this. They don't live in Tel Aviv, it's not B'nai Brak, you know what I'm saying? But they made a big deal out of it. Why? Because this is who we are as a state. What does Shabbat mean? Yeah, we don't, you know. And, and us, with the designers, eh. It's not so clear. Like maybe I don't know, but maybe you could argue that it's dangerous that it will cause accidents that you could get to a, a situation of pikuach nefesh. Like I don't know about. Yeah, that was Netanyahu's argument. Potential theoretical pikuach nefesh doesn't halacha doesn't work that way. If there's immediate pikuach nefesh, then you're allowed to be mechalel shabbat. You can't be mechalel shabbat because it will inconvenience people, and that inconveniencing will cause traffic accidents that might cause pikuach nefesh. It's not, that's like, you learn to deal with it. Don't cause pikuach nefesh. If you have to cause traffic jams, tell people, right? And yes, meaning the idea is, the idea is, this is the idea, we sacrifice for Shabbat. The country sacrifices for Shabbat. The country is not open on Shabbat. Businesses are not supposed to be open on Shabbat. They shut down the city for the marathon on a Friday, right? right? So why can't they shut down the city for construction on a Friday? They could. The difference is the one-time event versus the... Ongoing, right? right. It really is a tremendous I meaning. Right. Correct. They also do, but they need to, you need to do it for extended periods of time. I don't know. You know I'm sure it's if they're just ripping apart. But there's this idea. Somehow, for Shabbat, we've learned to say this sacrifice is not only valuable; it's critical; it's important. And whatever financial loss we take, either we find ways around it, or it's just what it is. I'm not working on Shabbat. You know, and we all know that this is what kept us as a people for many, many years. You know, I have stories. I remember my grandfather told me that he left Poland in the 1930s and made his way to New York. He happened to be an American citizen. And he got a job. And then Friday, like, he would leave and not come back on Sunday. And the guy would tell him not to come back. This happened time and time and time again until finally one story came back on Sunday. The guy's like, where were you? And he was like, I don't know. The guy's like, okay, go get back to work. And that was that, until he finally found a job where the guy wasn't going to fire him for not showing up on Shabbat. Why? Because that was how he was raised, and now I'm religious because he did that. Without any doubt in my mind. You know what I'm saying? This is who the Jewish people are. Why did it take for Shabbat, but it never took for Shemitah? It's just a whole year, it just seems like a different ball of wax. It just seems like a lot, much, much longer. Anyway, okay, but God promises, Ki lo Hashem lakecha he promises he will bless you. You'll be the ones lending to the many nations. And you're not going to be the one that's going to be you know, borrowing from them. And you say, but it doesn't make any sense. How is that possible? And God says, I promise. And we say, no, we don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> It's all actions, not words. We say we don't believe you. We should believe you, but we don't believe you. Anyway, okay. Next, next pasuk. Yeah, we have to go. We have to do this next section as well in order because we in order to understand the previous section. There is a poor person in your land, in one of your gates, i.e., your cities, in your land that a God will give you. Imut halev means omits. That's like effort. Right. Lo te'amets et levavcha. Don't overwork your heart. Velo tikpot et yadcha. Well, that one's clearer. Tikpot, don't close your hand. Me'achicha ha'evyon. From your brother. So what is obviously in context te'amets et levavcha mean? Imut halev. Right. It means to strengthen your heart and say, No, I can't, I'm not, I don't know, it doesn't really work, etc. etc. We have the we have my sir. Okay. I mean sure it counts as that. Okay. Um 
Rabbi, you should surely open your hand to him. What? It's not why, it's rather, right, like you said. Okay. You should surely give him, you should surely uh, lend him that which is missing from him, that which is missing from him. Okay. There are a lot of doubles. Yeah, a ton of doubles. Well, we did that last we time. Did that. Very good. We remember what the point was, was uh, of the doubling? It was about this, about giving. Emphatic. Emphatic. Oh. Okay. Uh, look at Rashi for a second on Lod to Amitz. This is a fascinating Rashi. Everybody see it? Rashi on Zion. Lod to Amitz is Rashi. Yanshlich Adam, Shemitzta'er im yiten, im lo yiten. You see it? You have a person, there are some people who are anguished whether they give or don't give. Oh, I thought he was saying whether to give if or not they to give. should give or not okay. give. Yeah, should I give, should I not give? Lekach ne'amar lo So therefore it says... Don't work too hard. Right. Just give. <laughs> uh, very good, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Yeshach adam sheposhet et yado v'kopsa. Okay. Someone extends his hand v'kopsa. But, but, closes it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll give you, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> so don't open your hand. I saw a beautiful idea in the Nachshon. He quotes the, the, quotes the Magid of Dubno. He said they used to catch monkeys. How'd they catch monkeys? Why would they catch monkeys? They wanted to, if you wanted to trap monkeys, I don't know if you're a zoo, whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Oh, you mean because the monkeys were causing trouble? In India, I don't know. Okay, whatever. Right, like the Maggid of India, the Maggid of India. Right, do, okay, so how would they catch the monkey? They would take a bottle, like a, you know, and put a nut in the bottle. Okay. The monkeys with their tiny hands, the, hand, the bottle, the, the neck of the bottle was small enough that if you close your hand, you could stick your hand in. But your fist, you can't pull it out. Okay. That was, they had the and so what the monkey would do is he would stick his hand in and he'd get the nut and he'd pull it up, but he couldn't. He couldn't get it out. You know what I'm saying? So... So, the, and then the hunter would come and catch the monkey. So you say to the monkey, sorry, the no. monkey, but let go. Let go and run away. But he can't let go because he has it in his hand. So he says the same thing is true of tzedakah. A person like, is trapped in this idea that he doesn't want to give tzedakah. He's trapped in this idea that he needs his own money for himself. So it's the same way. Like He says, like, he won't let go. He says, if you let go, then, you're, then, then you'll find the blessing that's meaning, meaning to come to you you just let go and leave the tzedakah for the ani. But and holding your hands, the yeah. Mikdash, they had, when they collected the machatid shekel in the shuk or wherever they collected it, they had no, the, the tzedakah box. Right. Okay, the tzedakah box was shaped like that so that you can't steal from it. You can't... Right, but they wanted the money to go down. No, one minute, so that you can put it, you can put the coin in through the slot. And you could also fit a hand in should you decide to... If you want to steal some of the money, but you couldn't get it out if your hand was closed, you'd have to let go and take your hand out. Why would you want to put? Why would they make you pick it up? If somebody would wanna, why they want to do that? That was the. I knew it's called a shofar. You're right. right, It was that shape. It was for that purpose. That's what they said at Machon Mikdash at their seminar that they gave. Right. (laughs) Why would they want you to put your hand in? They don't. But if you have a yitzhara to do it, that's what they should have made it so small. That doesn't make so so much sense. I don't understand. It needs to be big enough to pour it out. No, they would open it from the bottom. I think that they would just make a small slot <laughs> yeah. that you put in there. Yeah. That's what they said with the Mahon McDonald's. You need to go back and ask that question. I don't it know. Was a okay. Keep a toach. Okay, so rather open your hand. Hishamar lecha. But be careful. Pen yedavar, I'm on Fasukte. Pen yedavar im levavcha belial lemor. Lest there be a matter in your heart, belial. Belial is a fascinating word. Where else? Does anybody know where else we see the word? We have seen oh, the word Blial when we see it. Blial is such a unique word that you almost yeah. will never see it. It's not a very positive word. No. What's Blial? Hmm. So the answer is well, it's previous in the parasha, but you might not have seen it. Perak Yud Gimma Pasuk Yud Dalit. Chapter 13, verse 14. Okay. Let's start with Pasuk Yugimel. Yugimel, Yugimel, Yugimel. Everybody see it? Yugimel, Yugimel. Yeah. yeah. If you hear in one of your cities, that God gives you to dwell there, saying, Yudalit. Yatsu anashim b'nei b'liyav mikir becha v'yadichu et yoshve iram leimor. 
men of Bnei Belial. I don't even know how to translate it. Bnei Belial. Do you see it? Nikki, do you have 13, 14? It was a big gun. 13, 14. Right? No, Baal was a big gun. No, Baal. It's not the name of the other one. 13, 14. What's that? Lawless men, but it's worse than that. Blial is like, what does he have? Base. or debase. Just It's like terrible people came. What? Right, evil people came, and they captured the city. So this is a, a halacha that was never actually ever invoked that I'm aware of, called irhanidacha, anche irhanidacha. Irhanidacha means that some people convince the majority of a city to become Ovdi Abu Dazara. And the halacha is, anybody know what you do to the city? You have to investigate very well before you oh, make a decision. Thank you. What do you do to the city when you make a decision? Yeah, and You burn it to the ground. Literally, you destroy it with everything and everyone in it. Okay? Even if they you smite all the people and their animals. They didn't do anything. Okay. All of the booty, all the stuff you bring to the center of the city, you burn it to the ground. You destroy the entire city. You literally nuke the city. That's B'nai B'liyav. Now let's go back to our passage. Okay? These people. I'm in 15.9. Okay. Let's you have a matter of Beliyav. So it's not just wickedness or evil. It's the most destructive idea. It's a tremendously powerful word to say. Behold, the, the, the year of, she, of the seventh year, the year of Shemitah has arrived. It's coming. And you see your brother, the Avion. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Your, uh, your eye is, is bad. Ayin hara. Your eye is negative towards your brother, the poor people. And you don't give him. And he calls out to God, and you are sinful. You shall surely give him. And your, your heart should not be negatively influenced. Don't, don't be upset by it. Because it's for this matter that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has blessed you with all of your actions and with all the, all the fruit of your hand. What are the words of Naton Titen? What is the Ani? This is an interesting question that a lot of Mepharshim deal with. What did the Ani want from you? And what did you not want to give him? Anybody know? Did he want a loan? Oh. Okay. One explanation is that he wants a loan. And it's in the sixth year. Yes. So you don't want to give him because mm, he, that's you can't get it back. Okay, correct. One second. Okay, that's one explanation. One explanation is, okay, Karvashna Tasheva Shnata Shemita. Okay. Mata Mulomer, Lilamdenu Shishnata Shemita, Peut Shnata Shmatat Safim. Talking about Shemita Safim. And the Ani, this is what you said before. Who said it? Tracy said it? Or I, think, uh, I think you said it about the idea of the poor people, like, ah, it's time for the poor people to, Lisa to, said it. Yeah. Lisa said it, to make a killing. Why? Oh, Shemitah's coming. Can I borrow some money? Okay. So, are they abusing Shemitah if they're doing that? If they don't give it back before, I don't yeah. think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. What do you mean? All of them to all of a sudden take out loan what applications? What poor person, excuse me. What most poor people, I don't know, I don't know, I'm stereotyping. It's just because a person's poor doesn't mean that they're of that personality. And a poor person, it's so uncomfortable to bring up the to, to bring yourself to the position where you have to ask for the money. So once you're asking for the money, of course you're going to ask in a time when you can also pay back in theory. Because sorry, can we go back to a certain <laughs> event that happened in a gas station on Fishish? Can we recall a certain conversation that happened between you and me? Yeah. Okay. We stopped at Kvishesh to it's fill up. It's a known Stop. scam. Stop. We stopped at Kvishesh. Yeah, but what you're saying is it, it could be... I didn't even tell the story. I didn't even tell the story. You know the story? We stopped at Kvishesh. And Rina goes in to go to the bathroom or whatever with the Maria. I'm filling up. Some guy comes up to me and says, like, he looks settlery. And he says, listen, I'm stuck here. 
I need some money to get to, to gas to get from here to. Or he told me the name of some issue, but I don't remember. So I gave him fifty shekel. I get back in the car. Tarvina, yeah, I gave some guy fifty shekel to get the thing. And she says, "It's an Ellen scam." <laughs> It happened to me here too. They send a thing about it. They have articles about it on the internet. It happened last summer, two summers ago. We can't. We don't have enough gas to get to X. Can you please give me fifty shekels? Yes, for hundred. Okay, so maybe that wasn't that. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Okay, so who was right, you or me? We never know. No. What's the matter? Who is right, you or me? I mean, according to the Torah. Well, I mean, if you know, I'm saying you're saying who would have the uh, gumption to ask for money? The poor people is embarrassed. What are you it's kidding? What are you kidding? This is like the sixth year. Is like everybody knows there's articles on the internet. Beware of false <laughs> fraudulent loans. No, the people asking for money. He doesn't have to be embarrassed because he's theoretically going to pay you back. He's he's just asking for a loan. He's not asking right. you to give him the money. So cool. that's a win-win. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so, so one explanation is this idea of Shemitah Kisafim. He's asking for a loan. I stand corrected. It does, it does open up for scam artists. Every goodness is ripe for abuse. Right. So the Midrash says something interesting. <laughs> what? Rabbi Yavau, B'Shem Rabbi Lezer Amar, Tzrichim anu l'achzik tova l'ramaim shabahem. We have to be machzik tova to be thankful for the fraudulent tzedakah collectors. Because <laughs> were it not for the fraudulent tzedakah collectors, if one of them would make a claim, and he, if one of them, if a real poor person would ask for money and I don't give him, we'd be chayav mita. So we are all, we are all indebted to this guy who scammed me. Or didn't scam me. Why? Since I can legitimately claim I can't give because people scam, therefore if I say no, I say it's not my fault. But if there were people didn't scam us, then if I ever turn somebody away without giving him money, I don't understand. I don't get it either. If if because if a real poor person would come to me and I knew he was a real poor person and I said no. Why would you say no? Because I'm cheap. No, because you're worried about being no, 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 not because I'm worried about being scammed. No, not because I'm worried about being scammed. Everybody who asked for tzedakah really needed it. That the sin of turning someone away is so terrible that God would have punished us immediately. So therefore, we should be thankful for the tzedakah scammers. Why? You have an excuse. Because now I have an excuse when I don't give. That's a midrash. That's that, hmm. the, the midrash says. There were scammers. See, so what do you mean? <laughs> always I, there's always tzedakah scammers. Okay. So the first explanation, the first understanding, one understanding is the idea of Shemitah. Alone. He's asking for a loan. The problem is like this. It doesn't mean it says Naton Titain, to give. Right? You're asking for, he's asking for a gift. He's not asking for a halava'ah. And we're always talking about, about, about Deish Ha'abitenu, Lahalvot. The Torah knows how to say loan. So why in this way context does it say Naton Titain? Because if it's in the year before Shemitah, oh. you have to give it. Why, why, why would a person not give the year before Shemitah? Because he's afraid he won't get the loan back. No, no, not loan. So, the, so others say, other parashanim say, it's not talking about loan. He's asking for tzedakah like he always asks for. But you need to save because Shemitah's coming. Shemitah's coming. Oh. My friend, I'd love to, but Shemitah's coming. So for, there's two reasons why a person wouldn't give in the year before Shemitah. Okay. The first reason is, anybody want to tell me what the two reasons is? The first reason is what Rina said. Listen, I mean, I'd love to, but had I, like you say, bag, you know, like I know people who are like how should we say who are um, um, directors of directors of development. You know, they go to this rich person and the guy will say, you know, I had a really bad year. We only had a four percent return on my billion dollars as opposed <laughs> to my six percent return. And I got to really conserve. And they're all thinking to themselves like, really? You know, my my institution that you know does this great work is like you know falling apart, and you're worried about four percent, six percent. It's hard for us to relate. So the same thing is true for the for the the ani comes to me in the sixth year, and I say, you know, I, I'd love to help you, but I really got to you know next year we're not going to have any income, so I got to be really be concerned. So I really can't help you out this year because I have to be financially responsible. Okay, so says the Torah, according to this, Natan kitain lo, velo yira lo vavcha betito lo. You give what you give. And next year, the same way 
You know what I'm saying? He has to collect, you do too. Finally, you understand where he's coming from. That's one interpretation. A different interpretation is, now don't you, why wouldn't I give him the sixth year? Listen, next year everything's free. Just, you know, stretch hold a little on. bit, hold on for another year, and then we'll all be in the same boat. And like, I, you know, my orange grove will be open, everybody can take it. I'm a, I'm a Shemitah guy, I'm a good guy, I open it up, everybody gets whatever they want. So I'm not going to give you this year. Says the Torah, no, not Tom Sitenlo. You should surely give him. You shouldn't be a cheap, cheap tight wide this year on the assumption that he'll be okay next year. So, but we have guidelines that we're supposed to give 10%, right? So we have to give more than 10% if an Ani comes to us? No, 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 no. That's always easy for everyone to give 10%. I, first of all, 10% is... That's what we're required. That's irrelevant. That makes it even harder. It's a it's a it's an important guideline. But even if you have to, even if you are required, it's hard to do. And not everybody does everything they're required to do. I thought it was like, a, like you teach Shabbos, you give 10%. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not on that level. That's like, no, it's exactly... Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you. Technically, you don't have to give your children a Jewish education. Yeah, I know that. You do know that? Yeah. Right? Technically, according to many postgames, the money you pay for their Jewish education can go towards Maaseh. Technically. So we all give way over 10%. Isn't it, uh, well, they, they, girls. Uh, age. Yeah, six for girls. You don't even have to feed them. No, but boys less, so girls more. To Somehow they don't seem to realize that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Specifically, boys, especially boys. <laughs> girls, you do, because so girls, you do, but boys, you especially. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no obligation. You, you have to teach them a minimum Jewish knowledge, but, but modern Jewish education, putting up in dorm, paying for, you know, not smartphones. I only know this because we we have to give tuition and we couldn't afford it, and we yeah. have to give stuff and we didn't have enough money for everything. Right. So I have to ask the Shiloh, what do we do? Right. Correct. Correct. Everybody's, you know. And somebody comes to your door. So it's interesting. I, ironically, the, the people coming to your door, even if you gave everybody came to your door 20 shekel like, or 50 shekel, it's not that much. It really is not that much. You know what I'm saying? The real money is the checks that you write, the, you know, the organizations that you give to that hopefully do good work. You know? the, the, the society, in some ways, is set up to, 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 to care for the poor people. You know, there are, there is, I, I, don't, there, I don't know, there aren't food stamps. Are there food stamps in, in Israel? I mean, is there such an equivalent? But there is bituach lumi. There is minimum income requirements. There are tons of different social programs for people who are really, really impoverished. It's very hard to get along in modern society. But there's so much, there's, there's a tremendous safety net. There's, you know, public health, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of safety net. So... We do a lot of things, you know, just by definition as a society, through the taxes that we give, through the way, through the way we set up society, which is an important thing. Okay, I'm going to get to this last pasuk, very important pasuk. Ki lo yechdal evyon haaretz. Ki, because lo yechdal evyon, there will not stop. stop being poor people in the land. Alken, anuchim etzavcha lemoy, therefore I command you, patoach tiftach et yadcha, Therefore, I say to you, open up, surely you shall open up your heart, your, your hands, to your brothers, to the poor and the impoverished in your nation. You know, what are you looking for? What did you just look for? I said before. <laughs> right, what? Everybody got that? Here it said, let's go back. Pasuk, Pasuk, Dalid. We said, Ephes. And then, at the very end, at, this, at the end of this beautiful parasha that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us, give tzedakah and open your heart, and why should you do this? Because there will be no lack of poor people in the land. There are always going to be poor people. So which one is it? It's not like you could say, well, in one parasha, he says in the, in the, in the context of nine psuki, Moshe Rabbeinu says two diametrically opposite things. Look at Rashi. Okay, Rashi on Pasuk Dalit. Look at Rashi, because immediately like, you have to you have to address this in some way. Yeah, I'm looking at Ramban. Okay, so you'll tell us what Ramban says in a minute. Everyone see Rashi on Pasuk Dalit? Fs Rashi immediately adds, so like what the heck? Here it says, no poor people. Later it says, for sure poor people. Ella, and this is the answer of the Midrash. Bisman Shatem Osi Makom. 
If you do the will of God, then other people will have. Other nations will have poor people. You won't have poor people. And when you don't do the will of God, then you will have poor people. How does it sound like? There's two ways to understand what Rashi is saying. Okay, what does it sound like? To... If you're following the mitzvot and doing what you're supposed to do, right. then, then there won't be poor people. Right, what does that mean, there won't among be poor you, people? Among you. Uh-huh. What does that mean? I mean, why won't, what, why won't there be the poor people? Israel. Why? Because you're giving. Oh, which one, which one, which one? Why? Oh, right. Either you'll say, because miraculously, there's going to be this tremendous bounty for the entire country, and just, everybody will have great years always. Or, you're, you are caring for one another. I think that the level of, the level of, like, I, I've mentioned this before, what we consider poor, and what the Torah considers poor, are very different things. Yeah. Like, to us, poor is below the poverty level. You know, someone who doesn't close the month, someone who can't pay their bills. And that's poverty, and it's very hard. It's very difficult. According to the Torah, someone who's poor is someone who is starving to death, has nothing to eat. And that's halachically considerations. Like, when is a person allowed to, allowed to go to the tamchoy? Like, there was, a, like, there was a community fund set up, and there were two types of funds. One was a fund for long-term needs, and one is a fund for soup kitchen, right? If a person didn't have three meals to eat, then he could go to the tamchoy. You know what I'm saying? We live in a time where like pantry and abundance and food, it could very well be the Moshe Rabbeinu will come today and say, you don't have poor people. Wow. <laughs> we, we get to a lot of organizations that provide lunch for, for children. Wonderful. Are people starving to death? Uh, but I think that they don't have to eat. No, no, no. I, I, without a doubt that there's definitely people who, who are receiving food and are getting and food. It. What? And who need it. And who need it. Are they starving to death? Are people in, in society, in modern Western society, starving to death? No. In okay. India. Yeah. In, in Africa they were. But that's not because there's no food. It's because, it's because governments abuse the people and don't, bring, don't let them get the food. Mm-hmm. Although you do hear, like on the radio, more than once I've, I've heard of like, teachers saying that they have students who, like little kids who come to school and they don't even bring an arukhat eser because they literally, like, there's no food in the house. Yeah, there's no bread. Um, right, but if their parents knew how to get the bread and how to, you know what I'm saying? There are pro, there is a way to get them. There are all right, kinds. There there are right, there are programs and there are organizations, and that's why we support those organizations that are really important and really valuable. But society does provide. One could. In South Africa, they started this whole program. Yeah. Porridge. Porridge. Yeah. It's probably the cheapest way to get them a nourished meal. Right. And, and the, 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 the experiment went through it because they really are. They really right. hungry. They're really really hungry. And yeah. then they saw that everything changed. Sure. In America, they have this thing, they have a program. I don't know what it's called in America. You know what it's called? Like, it's, it's like it's lunch, breakfast and lunch. Like, there's like whole swaths of societies and schools where they give the kids breakfast and lunch. And if you're in that socioeconomic, then you're eligible for all kinds of other things. Right, it's really, I mean, it's, it's sad, it's a tragedy, you know what I'm saying? But, but, at the same time, we don't live in a time where people starve to death in Western society. Right, society does provide. And that's, a, that's could be, most of would come, in their time, it was very easy for people to starve to death. They had no food. You know what I'm saying? So it could very well be that Moshe Rabbeinu would look at us and say, yes, you live in a time of incredible abundance and bounty where... where one person can grow food for literally thousands of people. You know. A month, easy. Are you kidding? No, Think about the fruits that I throw out. Right? If there's like a blemish on my on my cucumber, okay, forget it, throw it away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would have been sug aleph aleph. You do too. You don't just cut it off. Oh, you, you do too. I saw the bag that you threw out yesterday. Because they were mushy. They were <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. It was perfectly good. You could have made a good soup out of that. Right. I what were you talking about? Somebody who's starving would have eaten that in a heartbeat. Right. I, I told you the story. I made it. Uh, she, I used to oh, peel the peels, yeah. The she collected peels? She used to collect the peels. Make her soup. <laughs> and we're very happy. And, and every time I used to be peeling the vegetables in Israel, I'd say, oh, this is just, I'm just trying to eat the way. 
take what? My leftovers. Something that I keep in the morning once or twice, whatever. A few pieces of chicken left over that right. children refuse to eat again. Right. <laughs> I never ever threw food away. Right, so maybe we're, I mean, like now that we think about it in those terms, like go to your refrigerator, go to your pantry. It really is true. We don't have poor people. It's a very interesting question. Okay, but right, if we don't do ritzono shalmakom, says Rashi, if we don't do ritzono shalmakom, then you will have poor people, right? And this this is true as well in like societies where there is no worry about the poor, where society does not set up a safety net. You know what I'm saying? So much of the safety net that's in society has been ingrained from what the Torah commands to us. Right? Why do Western societies really feel that there's obligation? Because there's this ethic of the need that God blessed you and you have to care for the poor. You know, that some say, some of the Parshalim say in this Pasuk, when we'll stop here, it's a truth. In, in society, remember we said, like, as long as there's, if there was true socialism, nobody would be poor. The only problem is everybody knows that if there was true socialism, then everybody would be poor. Okay, that, that the experiment just never really worked out. It, it failed. Okay, so therefore, if you believe in any kind of personal initiative and in capitalism, which Tar does believe in, then there's going to be some people who do better, some people who do worse. It's just the nature of the nature of the beast. Correct. It's all about finding that proper balance between encouraging people to excel and at the same time seeing that it's not just you, but it's about society as well. That's exactly the the, the, the give and the, the, the push and the pull. You know, uh, Peretz spoke on Friday, he spoke beautifully. He spoke about, like, in life there's, there's, there's a tesa, thesis, and antithesis, and our job is to find a synthesis. To find these two things and try to find synthesis and balance two values. And it's not one or the other, it's one plus the other. You know, and, and, and those things and that synthesis is always a constant struggle trying to find that balance between those two things. And this idea that is something that the Torah very strongly teaches us. You know, FS, no poor people. Always poor people. And then, okay, how are you going to solve that problem? That's for us to resolve. So uh, I'll just end up with an idea that like, that's why I command you, meaning that Kaddish Baruch says, listen, like, there's X amount of wealth in the world. If the poor person doesn't get it, it's not because I didn't give enough wealth into the world. It's because you didn't see it as your responsibility to make sure that that person was taken care of. Like, he's poor not because of me. He's poor because of you. Yeah. And if we think about it today, that's absolutely true. because of what? Because you didn't make sure that he got his fortune. That the mashal they give is like, you know, uh, a cook. Like, this is great for our kids, right? The cook gives out 10 pieces. Okay? And some kid comes late and there's no food left. So he goes to the cook and says, there's no food left. He says, oh, there was plenty of food. Except that guy ate, two, ate twice. Don't come to me, come to him. Food for thought. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>